tonight on Whiskey Waffle. I want a bad boy whiskey who's going to treat me rough. You know what our biggest problem is? We're Tasmanian. It's funny, everyone calls him the Godfather and has so much respect. I just see him as this little, little guy at home. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Welcome along, fellow wafflers, to episode, I'm going to get this right this time, it is episode 33 of Whiskey Waffle. Hooray! Ted's excited because he was the one that said episode 33 last time, <laughs> but this is definitely episode well, 33. Well, that's because I thought you told me 33 before we started. <laughs> um, no, you're totally mistaken, Ted. I would never never give you misinformation on purpose. Yes, no, so that is my colleague Ted over there. My name is Nick, and yeah, welcome to another episode full of hijinks and whiskey drinking and, and different antics, all with a Glen Cannon in hand. Indeed, and this is a rather interesting drop that we've got here. I will I will say that we've had a couple of other ones before this, and it is very different to those. It is, it is, but we've returned to Scotland. This is a, a Dalmore that I procured from the Whiskey Club, a port matured one. Actually, I was just saying to my colleague before, we should do a... Um, a waffle later on in the year as a bit of a sort of summary of our whiskey club purchases and mm. what we've liked, what we haven't, what been the standouts, because I'm sure a lot of you guys that listen are whiskey club members. So yeah, once there's been a few more come and go, we'll have to do a section talking about what we loved. And um, you, sh- you guys should let us know as well. Like we'd be really interested to hear um, what whiskey club releases, or if you're a follower of another club. No, but- don't tell us about that because then we'll get jealous. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> Nick. Yes. This this uh this Portwoods, Downwell mm. Portwoods. Yeah. Biker honeybees. Biker honeybees. So Biker. honeybees wearing leather jackets. Yeah. It it makes me think of leather and honeycomb. Yeah. Dalmore is an acquired taste. Often it splits whiskey waffle down the middle. I'm a fan and Ted's slightly more on the fence, but yeah, I I don't mm. know if anyone else has this experience with Dalmore. Yeah, my undercarriage does get a bit sore from time to time because I am perched on that fence quite a lot, but <laughs> With the Dalmore, but yeah, um, let's just say he's less enthusiastic than me. But that's all right. That's all right. I, we can't I, all love it. I like this one. I yep. do like this one. I think it's yeah. As I said, biker honeybees on the nose. The the mouth is yeah, like nice, nice sort of cool grapes. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit plummier. Mm. I mean, it's not quite sour plums territory, but no, no, not sour plums. It's, it's actually sweet plums, mm. which uh, Ted knows all about. <laughs> um, Ted, good news. Yes. We've got a new official waffler to induct. We do. Okay. Okay. Serious face. Serious serious face face on. Radio radio is a perfect uh, medium for this as well. Serious face is on. Okay. This is serious business. Inducting a new waffler. Here we go. Okay. We induct you. As an official waffler. To pontificate purposefully. (laughs) Serious face. And verbalize verbosely. Mike Maruzzi. Maruzzi? Yeah. One of those two. Good job, Teddy boy. That was that was very serious. Nice work. Almost perfect. Right? <laughs> Don't hold yourself to such high standards, Ted. By the end of the night, we'll be pronouncing everything wrong, <laughs> stumbling over most words, slurring uh, every sentence. Pontificate purposefully is quite a hard thing to say at the best of times. <laughs> That's the reason we chose it, Ted. All right, shall we get on with the episode? Nah. We've I'm- got 101 whiskeys to drink this episode, Ted, don't you know? 101? Well, uh, let's say... let's. Let's say we've got 101 whiskies to talk about, and we probably won't even manage that. Okay, let's do it. Hang on, so what are we saying first of all? We're, um... We're saying hello. The Waffle. Ted, are you a big reader? 
I am. I do enjoy the odd book or publication from time to time. What about whiskey books? I have a small collection that I like to admire from time to time as well. I am. Um, I have a few as well because people keep sort of giving them to me for like Christmas gifts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, this, this is the thing. Like once, once you sort of, it's like that thing. Like you, you, you say one time like, oh, I really like that owl. <laughs> and then everyone gives you owls for the rest of your life. Know, all you do is just start up a whiskey blog and then sort of make a podcast and then travel around the state talking to different distillers. All of a sudden people just assume that you're obsessed with whiskey. Yeah, and oh, then wait. you get books for Christmas. Yeah. Well, anyway, so one of the books that I got, and this one is interesting. I haven't really read it cover to cover. I've just had a flick through. So I thought that on the waffle today, we're not so much going to do a book review because this book is far more clickbaity than that. It's called 101 Legendary Whiskies. Ooh. It's by Ian Buxton, who does a series of 101 whiskies about this. 101 whiskies you need to try before you die. 101 more whiskies you should try before you die. 101 whiskies you should try once you're dead. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but this one is Legendary Whiskies. Um, the subtitle is You're Dying to Try But Possibly Never Will. Yep. So we're going to have a flick through these 101. We're not going to include in this final episode all 101 reactions to them because the episode would go for 16 hours. So we'll just give you a, a bit of a highlights. But maybe I'll stick the stick the whole lot up on our Patreon for our supporters to check out if you want to know a few more Legendary Whiskies you'd like to hear us react to. If, if, if you want to hear us going, Gasp! Mm. Wow! Yeah, okay, so you're ready to go from the start? Okay. It's in alphabetical order. Right, and okay. so naturally we start with a 40-year-old Ardbeg. Well, I mean, that's... Is that not an obvious choice? Yeah, that's for an a... obvious choice, and obviously one we've never tried, so... <laughs> if, if there's going to be a legendary whiskey, surely it's going to be a, mm. a 40-year-old Ardbeg. Like... Number two. <laughs> no, Is it a 50-year-old Ardbeg? No, it's the Ardbeg Galileo. Oh, <laughs> Ted, um, why haven't you bought this Ardbeg Galileo before so you can say you've tried this legendary whiskey? I came so close. <laughs> I came so close and I failed. I should not have waited. I waited. Yeah. It's your. F- it's actually your fault. I talked you down, did I? No, I no, you, you didn't talk me. You didn't talk me down. I was waiting to go down to the shop with you oh. to purchase said whiskey, and by the time it did that, it had been sold. It had been sold. Oh. Number four. Ooh, this is a legend. Balvenie, 50-year-old. Oh, Balvenie, 50-year-old. I was yeah. prepared for like a, I don't know, the Balvenie 12, Doublewood. I mean, that's a pretty good whiskey, but yeah, um, 50. That's fair. And uh, of course, we've never tried it. Have yeah. you tried it, dear listener? When, when was the last time you had a 50-year-old whiskey? <laughs> All those times. Number six, Black Bowmore. Black Bowmore. Mm. Okay, uh, number seven, Bowmore, 1957. It's the one in that bottle, the one with the... <sighs> Look, spindly glass. Just, on the just, just throwing it out there. Is this entire book just going to be f- filled with whiskies that we have got absolutely no hope of ever trying, and they are completely out of the reach of mere mortals? I think that is the point of the book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's fine. I'm just I'm just preparing myself because I'm sort of like going to be like, well, haven't tried that one. Haven't tried that one. Number eight is another Bowmore, which I've not ever heard of. Number nine is another Bowmore. Why are there so many Bowmores in here? We don't like Bowmore that much. Well, maybe we need to have tried some of it these It is ones. the Black Sheep of Isla in our book. Um, number 10, Brora. Brora. Another one of those... Have heard of that one? ...long since shut distilleries. Yeah, not not one I've been able to get around to trying, particularly not this 1972 edition. <laughs> okay, oh, here's one, Ted. Number 11, Brooklady X4. Oh, have had the opportunity to try and yeah. stupidly didn't take, mm. so... I've not, but... um. Number 13, Chivas Regal, 25-year-old. 25-year-old. Have we had that? No, we've had the 21. 
We've had one of the ones in the ceramic bottles. They're kind yeah. of they're quite cool. And yeah, they come in yeah. a bag. We all, we do like a whiskey that comes in a bag mm, and yeah. not not We're just a, a brown paper bags. one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's one that um we do have a small connection with number eighteen. Another lost one, Dallas Dew. Ah, uh, Dallas Dew. Yep. Mm, I've been there. Dallas, you've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Oh. It's a it's a museum. Yeah. Okay, number nineteen. We've been trying some Dalmore tonight, but how about the fifty year old? Sure. Uh, do you have some? Uh, yeah, I got yeah, some pour, floating pour around. Pour me a dram. Number twenty one. Dewar's White Label. A classic of the scene for this many, many says. years. Surely there's been a mistake here. This is a bottle of mainstream standard blend, widely available, especially in the US when it's been a favourite. How, you ask, not unreasonably, can this be described as a legend? Well, that they've just described it there. It has been a mainstay of the scene for yeah, many so years. Yeah, Johnny Walker Red Label. Well, in essence, we're, not, we're not up to J, yes. <laughs> in essence, this represents the great blended whiskies which make up more than 90%. Of, uh, it's just a... You've got to throw a bland one in there just to... Yeah. It's the sacrificial lamb. No, what? Number 22, Drambuie. As in... What? Whiskey liqueur. That's not even a whiskey. That's not a whiskey! Well, it's in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah number it's... 26, Gervin. The grain. Gervin. Oh, one of the worst names in oh, uh, Scottish whiskey. Name. Yeah, so a lot of the grain stuff comes from Gervin. Uh, number 30. Now, okay, here's one that might surprise, but I actually agree with it being there. The Glenfiddich 12-year-old. I fully support that. That if if the, if there must be a legendary whiskey, then surely the Glenfiddich Twelve deserves it. They they sort of they are the whiskey. To quote the book: It can be credited with starting a revolution, and for that, it is deserving of every whiskey drinker's respect. Thirty-seven is a Gordon McPhail, Glenlivet seventy-year-old. We try that all the time, don't we? Just a quaffer. Absolutely. Thirty-eight, the Green Spot. Green Spot, do have that one. Yeah. Can recommend. Yep. Um, I wrote a very, very long and sort of self-serving article about it. Number 40, Hibiki, 12-year-old. Yes, have tried it. Have tried. Mm. I've got a bottle of the the Harmony, Japanese Harmony in there. Oh, yes. The next one is Isabella's Isla in a a diamond decanter. Very, very fancy. um, Yes. This is not lost. This is legend status, apparently. Distillery unknown availability. Who knows? (laughs) Surely no one would buy this. I wondered, but made a note to check it out. Oh, any whiskey selling for $6.2 million would surely be legendary, no matter how crass the packaging. What? Isabella's Isla. Legendary or mythical? You decide. So these are the stories you get in the book. It's kind of interesting, actually. There we go. Okay, interesting. My lucky number 43 is not my lucky whiskey. It's the Jack Daniels Old Number 7 Tennessee Whiskey. Look, I, I don't necessarily disagree with it being... It's the highest-selling whiskey in the world. Yeah, I... That's it. Like when when you look at legendary status, that the there are bogans or insert sort of local um, nomenclature who have got a like a JD hat or a JD jacket or a JD mm. poster on the wall. They brand themselves pretty well, don't they? And many JD tins around them. Yeah, and just skipping forwards to number forty five is the Jim Beam White Label. So okay, we've reached the J, Johnny Walker Black Label. Black Label, good choice actually. Mm. Bit better than the red. Like the black label is 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 that slight step up. Yeah, and it is a very successful whiskey. There is no doubt, very successful Scottish whiskey. Um, fifty-one King's Ransom. And how much do you have to pay for that? <laughs> <laughs> We're in L. Ted Lagavulin Distillers Edition at number fifty-four. Distillers Edition. That's interesting. Bold choice not to pick the sixteen. I guess they do different distillers editions all the time, so yeah, and you that's can the thing. Get like, away with that, it. That is it. You make a very good point there. That they do 
they do do. Ha. Yeah. They do do um, different distillers editions, which means that there is variance in there as well. So which distillers edition are we talking about? Then we're up to another... Oh, now we're up to a luxurious one, 55. Another one of these ones is going to be Luxury fun to more. say. Luxury Manuk. Lucky Manuk. Can I have a look? Uh, Lucky Minuk, maybe? Yeah. Well, that one is... It's simply Bowmore by another name. Mm. Small number of private bottlings in the late 70s for Howie Gate Wine Co. And legendary, apparently, too. No, luxurious. Oh, luxurious. Um, another lost one, Locked You. I mean, if your distillery shuts down in the 1970s, then you're probably going to become a legend. Okay, here's an interesting one. The Longmorn 16-year-old. Do own. Yeah. Make no mistake about it, this is quality stuff. For its complexity, the elegant balance of weight and subtle smoothness, and the huge nose, the extended finish, this enjoys legendary status among blenders. Uh, here we go, Ted. We, oh, we missed out. We're close. Pappy Van Winkle, 23. 23. Oh, this is the one I'd that you've always to wanted it. to try, isn't it? Tried the 21. Mm. Can can rate. Tasted like bourbon, but was... It was good. Bloody good bourbon. Ooh. Port Charlotte. We've tried that all the time, right? No, the original Port Charlotte. Ah. Uh. Yep. Um, closed in 1929. Um, 71 on the similar theme, Port Ellen. Port Ellen. Mm. Yep. Which we... I have not tried any Port Ellen. I have. I twice. need to try some Port Ellen. Uh, number 75, the Royal Brackler, 60-year-old. Okay. For a moment there, I was like, yeah, Royal Brackler, we've tried that. Actually, there's a picture here, and it has a screw top. A screw top? A screw top for a 60-year-old whiskey. For a 60-year-old whiskey? God, I hope it's on knockoff prices. Mm. Sticking with a the royal theme, 76 Royal, royal Lochnagar. Lochnagar, yeah. Yep. Um, 77 is another lost one, St. Magdalene. I have a bottle of St. Magdalene. Is that your um, independent? I have a bottle of St. Magdalene. There you go. Well, you're never going to open it, are you? That's one of the few that you're going to just hang on to. Well, you never know. I'll remember it one day. If there's a zombie apocalypse and you get locked in your house and you can't buy any more whiskey, then it'll come out. Um, oh, it's another bloody Bowmore, but this is called a Samoroli Bowmore. Samaroli. Yeah. Why is there so much Bowmore in there? I know. He's got a soft spot. 79, the SMWS, Bottle 1. Bottle 1. Mm. So that must be a Glenfarclas thing. It's got to be a Glenfarclas. It's got to be a Glenfarclas. Um, 85, okay. Talisker Storm. Ooh, Dark Storm is better. Uh, yeah, it's not legendary though, apparently. There is not declared owner John Anderson. In 1878, a whiskey gets better reputation on the market or brings a better price than Talisker whiskey. Shortly afterwards, he went bust. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, um, 98, whiskey galore. Hooray! Well, that's the book, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's right. There's a movie made, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I've read the book. I, yeah. I, I own the book. You should. Yeah. I should lend it to you. You'd like it. Yeah. There you go. Whiskey galore is in there. Number 99, Willow Bank from New Zealand. Bloody hell. New Zealand's got an entry in here and Australia doesn't. Bloody hell. So number 100 is, well, think of a whiskey distillery starting with a Y. Yamazaki, 12-year-old. But the 12-year-old, you own a bottle of? I do. I own... Yamazaki fancy, fancy pants. Mm. So the last one is... is Yamazaki 21? It's not. It's not even alphabetically correct. So the last one is... is the a number? Dionysus. Dionysus? Yep, probably. Bromios blend. Asterix. One day before we die, some unknown fellow traveller in a railway compartment, some Scots gilly or Irish rustic may produce a flask or unlabeled bottle and we shall find ourselves at last in the presence of the god himself Dionysus Bromios god of whiskey so it's basically saying yeah 
the god of whiskey drinking will will come to you as a little old um, Scottish gilly and produce the the dram of drams. Mm. I don't know if we found it yet, Ted. I don't know if we found it yet. I think that even if we have, I think more sampling is merited. Mm. Well, there you go. 101 legendary whiskies. I can't vouch for... Yeah, it's mostly so, Bowmores, isn't it? I can't, yeah, I probably can't vouch for like 95 of them, but the other ones, yeah, great. Good stuff. Well, thank you for reciting that book to me. That's all right. That's all right. I've got the most out of one of the whiskey book presents, and um, the the best part of it, I suppose, is those little stories that come with it, because mm. some of these whiskies, they don't even exist. So reading the reading the tale along with it is the whole purpose of the book. So um, if you want to find out some of those stories, then don't listen to a 50-minute whiskey podcast. Instead, just read the book. Thank you, Nicholas. Well read. Thank you. Thank you. Some good pronunciation amongst that, wasn't there? Pronunciation. <laughs> Piss off. Let me get some uh, pop here if I can. Go for it. Meh. It's a 5 out of 10 pop. The Whiskey. Distilled in 1991 and bottled in 2012, my quick maths tells me that this is a 21-year-old. That is not bad. Not at all. So it's from the Glenroths Distillery in Speyside, the heart of Scotland. Heart, heart of Speyside, even. I would say that this is mm. like really, really down in the heart of Speyside, too. Yep, and comes I, in a, a lovely rounded sort of spherical almost bottle. I've been there. Yeah. I haven't done a tour there. You poked your head through the I door. I poked my head through the door. Yeah. You're about to get kicked out, so you, you scarpered. I don't think I even got, nearly got kicked out. I think it was just it was there and there's like no one around and like I couldn't announce myself as a famous Tasmanian whiskey writer. So yeah. I just... Goes down well in Scotland, I found. Stuck stuck my head in, in the door and it was like, yeah, okay. Yep, just a little bit good. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no one was offering you tasting, so you didn't hang around. No. But anyway, it was it was good. So Glenn Roths always used to do vintages, um, and yeah, it's a really interesting way of marketing themselves. And this one is their 1991, which, if you look closely, you find out is pretty much 21 years old, which is definitely worth a try. And I'm just smelling it now, and I'm thinking it's also definitely been matured in sherry. Mm. It's definitely Speyside as well. Mm. Yeah, but do you find that Speyside almost divides itself along the sort of um, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, sort of that light, um, multi, sweet, delicate. Sort of, you put a Cragmore in there as well, that category. And then on the other side, you've got the Macallan. Got Varkless. Yeah, that's it. That sort of sherry side of things. And this is definitely on the sherry side. Mm. I mean, it's dark in color and it's fruity on the nose, fruit leather on the nose. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the uh, fruitiness of the nose area. It's. It's actually quite delicate, even mm. though it's it's fruity. It's still got a very delicate nose. It's not sort of really thick and oily. It's kind of it's smooth and polished, and it's it's sort of like a a really fine ceramic vase or something. Okay. With with um, fruit painted on it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They um they smell exactly like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just pleasant and fruity and sort of. Maybe a hint sulfury, but not really, not very much at all. It's just quite it's an a, enjoyable nose. It's an interesting thing. Do you think it's gone over? I mean, you mean it's gone off? Not off, just gone over. So Glenrods by vintaging, they sort of, they just leave it and leave it and leave it until they think it's ready. But is this a, is this a case of like the, um, of Glenfarclas's where 
we think that the 15 is like the perfect um, dram for um, Vikings because it's got enough sort of youth youthful zest to it that it mm. sort of gives you this really interesting thing, but it's also got enough refined, sort of older refined sort of point to it. Yeah, which, well, maybe that's not what Glenrothes were going for. Maybe mm. like a sort of vintage wine, they were sort of wanting to soften off all those alcohol mm. notes. And yeah, they've just got this soft um, velvety blanket of a fruity nose. Well, shall we try the palate? Yeah, that's probably what's going to determine the merits of their aging. Soft. It is. Like, what percentage is this? You've got the bottle. Do tell. 43%. 43%. Okay, not bad. Very um, very delicate on the palate, but, I mean, there's flavour there. Soft, but, yeah, I suppose that 43 just pushes it up a little bit in terms of the, the sort of alcohol spice to it. Mm. There's a bit more sort of spiced apple, apple pie sort of thing. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to come up with ways that are not just me saying dark fruit over and over. It's like licking satin. Licking satin? Yep. Mm. What colour satin? Blue. Mm. <laughs> of course. Does satin come in any other colour? Not in my bedroom. <laughs> but you'd know that. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's got a, a nice sort of slight sourness to the end as well. Yeah, true, actually. It does sour off. Mm-hmm. Got a bold statement for you. Bold statement. Mm, it is bold. I'm saying this whiskey is so well made that it's almost boring. Uh, see, that's where I was going before with, do you think it's gone over? It's, I think it's a really exceptionally smooth and nice whiskey. But Yeah, it's actually it's actually really good. And I think... But see, this, this is my two adjectives, smooth and nice. Yeah. Well, but it is, that, it is smooth and nice. You're saying smooth and nice is a bad thing. We've come this far as Wafflers. was like, oh, yeah, no, it's a bit smooth and nice I'm, for I'm me. Not I pre- saying, I'm not saying it's... to be a bit rough and nasty. <laughs> I'm not saying it's definitely necessarily a bad thing, but I'm also like, does it, as you said, does it necessarily have enough pizzazz to it? Yeah, does it, does it get you excited? See, I've I've been really digging like really funky, weird whiskeys lately. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, just Ben Nevis 10, that springs <laughs> to mind. Like, something... Something that's got dirtiness to it. This yeah. this is not dirty. This is this is like your really religious grandma who <laughs> sort of tries to teach you to be a good person. It's it, it's it's a it's a good wholesome thing, but you you kind of want to rebel against it as well. <laughs> yeah, you can trying this. You can taste all of the things they've accomplished. Hmm. Like it's not easy to make a whiskey taste this good. And yet, we're almost using that as a stick to beat it with, which is, um, yeah, I'm still thinking slightly unfair. But, yeah, does it get me as excited as a single-cast Corowa peated port-matured whiskey? Maybe not. And yet, it's undoubtedly a better whiskey. Yeah. Undoubtedly, it, objectively, it's better. Is this a bit too space-idey, maybe? Is it, just, is it just a bit sort of... I, I, I think that space-side is such a big, much mm. bigger category than that. Yeah. Okay, so... I really like this, but I like it to the point of sort of being unwhelmed. You're whelmed. <laughs> I'm whelmed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy with what I've I bought with this bottle. Um, I think that it is very nice to drink, and I think that most people would appreciate this dram. And yet, because of us being this, these wafflers that we are, I think that sort of sometimes feels like, yeah, been there, done that, what's next, you know? What's the next exciting thing? This is, 
you know, so this is this is so nineteen ninety one. Nicholas, are we wankers? I think we might be wankers. Gosh, um, no, we have been told this before, <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly. Um, yeah, no, just all a bit nineteen ninety one. Look, on on one level, I I want to give this a four because it's mm, it's because actually it's, like it's been well made. Well it's crafted. a really well crafted. It's beautifully sort of delicate and smooth and. Uh, well, satiny, and it's yeah. just, it is a really nice whiskey. But on the other hand, I'm like, I want a bad boy whiskey who's going <laughs> to treat me rough. <laughs> I think it deserves a four, and yet I'm only going to give it a three. <laughs> I'm going to give it a really, really, really high three. Mm. It's like Hillary Clinton brushing the glass ceiling with her fingers before having it cruelly snatched <laughs> away by Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, and that is a tasting note and a half. Um, Gosh, um, I'm really interested to see what our Patreons think. Mm. Um, Patreons who are getting this one in the mail, jump in the comments. Patreons, do you think that we are actually just being completely unreasonable on this? And (laughs) And treating a good whiskey with contempt. Guys, this is actually a really good whiskey and it's really (laughs) nice and you guys are just being completely... Like spoiled, or <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Are you like no? Actually, we get it, man. We we get it. It's 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 good. It's but it's safe. Mm. You know what? Um. You know what our biggest problem is? We're Tasmanian. Yeah. We're constantly see, living on the edge of you know, two year old, only just matured. See, look, okay. Strength. Our friend, fortified the cynic- wine. Our friend, the cynical Scott, would think this is a really. Exceptional Scottish whiskey. But you'd only be allowed to drink it on a very special occasion. Only be allowed to drink it on a nearly. special occasion. Like, I don't know, you've had your left testicle removed or something. <laughs> but, like, special occasion. But the cynical Scott would then say, like, this is just completely superior compared to Tasmanian whiskey. Mm, and, you know, you'd make a strong case that he'd be correct. Mm. Again, objectively. If you line this up against a like, classic cask or something... Mm. Mm. Not sure what I'm plump for. It's interesting. Well, if you've had the Glenroth's 1991, what do you think of it? Is it is it tame? Is it safe? Or is it elegant and gentle and sort of makes makes you feel sort of good and safe and happy inside? Mm. Or a bit of both, depending on your mood. If so, I totally get that. Still, I kind of want a whiskey that's. Bad to the bone. There was a bloke there, and for the life of me, I can't remember what his name was, but I'm sure if I probably looked up the... I think it's um, Bloke McBloke. Waffle, waffle, waffling with. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Waffling With. We're here with Jack Lark, head distiller at Battery Point Distillery. Thanks for uh, inviting us along. Oh, my pleasure, guys. One of the smallest and yet most endearing little spaces for a distillery that I've been in. Um, yeah, so... Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, tell, us, tell us about how you came to be head distiller at, at Battery Point Distillery. Well, I... Um... Well, I've been distilling for almost five years now, and I started out at Old Kempton. Dean Jackson uh, was the head distiller at the time when I started, so he taught me a lot about making whiskey. And I was there for almost three years. Uh, so I also have a couple of walking encyclopedias at home, so I've been around <laughs> whiskey for a little while. <laughs> I When was it? About mid-2008, I was in America at the time, and I got a call from Dad saying that it was just up on a bit of a weekend uh, with some fellas um, and fly fishing and they just had a little bit too much to drink one night and Lloyd Clark, who owns the Leno Hotel, had 
asked my dad about uh, if anyone, if how hard it would be to put in a still at the uh, at the hotel somewhere. And dad, being the man he is, said, "Yeah, of course, anyone can do it. It's easy." And so at that point, somebody else was going for the job. Um, and so I just was like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. And a few months later, dad told me that, uh, that person couldn't do it anymore. So I said, how about me? I'm sort of getting a bit tired of the drive out to Kempton. It's, you know, a bit taxing on me in the car and, um, it'd be great to work five minutes from home, but also it's cool to have the opportunity to start at a distillery from day one and really be involved with the creative process of, you know, what we do with the barrels, um, coming up with a gin recipe, you know, coming up with the yeast rage, all that sort of stuff with the distillation. So you can really have your hand in the process from day one. And that really appealed to me. So I quickly, you know, asked if I could take the job. And I guess because I'd been distilling for a while, Lloyd said yes. And so... Almost two years later now, here we are, and um, we're about to release our first batch of whiskey, hopefully in around April 2021. So we just must mention here that uh, the, na- the name Lark is probably familiar ah. to a, a, a few people around the trap. So There's no, no coincidence. No, here, no coincidence here. Um, yeah, uh, Jack is obviously the son of the great uh, William Bill Lark. And Lynn Lark. And Lynn, and yes, we must not forget... I forget to mention Lynn, who has been a massive um, uh, yeah, force not, in the not just influence on the um, yeah the products coming out, but also I think the um, just the style of the uh, the spirits that have come out. Ab- absolutely, it's it's not just Bill. We must remember it's also Lynn in there too. So, so. we should. <laughs> and um, um, yeah, now we're onto the next generation yeah, as well. Yeah. Right? So yeah, both my sister and I are distilling too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so did you ever sort of obviously you've come from the Tasmanian distilling royalty. Did you ever sort of think of yourself, uh, did you ever think you would become a distiller? I mean, uh, a lot of people, <laughs> your, your early career was, obviously, uh, a lot of people might have seen uh, Jack in uh, Junior MasterChef, the original Australian series of Junior MasterChef, and know him for, famously know him for a snail porridge. Oh, um, no. Which was a masterstroke, might I say. But, yeah, did was that, was that your path, or have you just sort of, kind of come to it over years of sort of yeah thinking and oh, well you know I'm one of these people who wants to do and everything like I um so I, I I actually don't want to end up being a distiller for the rest of my life although I somehow feel like I'm going to be involved in the industry <laughs> Bill, forever Bill, ignore him he's, he's, he's lying <laughs> um so I I'm like, how am I going to say it? So I actually want to pursue a career in theatre directing and musical theatre. So I'm supposed to be in Belfast right now studying mm. musical theatre. Yeah. Uh, but alas, COVID has hit. So, which is, I'm very happy with, to be honest. Uh, it gives me an extra year to be down here and save. Um, but also I'll be here for the first release of the whiskey, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I want to do lots of things. I want to set up bars. I want to learn how to make shoes. I want to, you know, start a perfumery with my mum. I think I'm never going to be quite settled in the one field for too long. Like, there's... I don't know. I feel like nobody's going to really easily be able to describe what I am yeah. in the future. I, which, which I'm a fan of. I get yeah. bored really I'm easily. I'm sure that when you do eventually uh, make it to Belfast, the, the people of Ireland will very much appreciate your... Some background in spirits. Look, this will be a good skill to yeah. take with me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, um, a lot of the listeners will be interested in Battery Point Whiskey when it eventually comes out. Tell us a little bit about the casks that you've got, um, and, and the you know, there's a lot of twenty liters I see. So, what oh, are your plans? Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so we're trying to put down an equal amount of port, sherry, and bourbon casks, the big three, if you will. Uh, but I, I want to go less down the route of single cask release, you know, except if one is, you know, coming along being a nine or a ten out of ten. Because um, we're only producing about 65 litres of New Make a week, which is tiny compared to all uh, the brothers and sisters in the whiskey industry. Mm. So I've got to start thinking about how we're going to be a little bit different and how we're going to create consistency and how we're going to justify, you know, being in the market. And so where I want to go down is, so yes, because we're small, we want to start getting whiskey out sooner. So we do have a fair few 20 litre casks, but we have been progressing into using slightly bigger ones like 30s, 50s and 100s. Um, and that's been going to be a slow process, but we'll get there. Uh, but the main goal for me is to focus on finishing. The, the room that we're in at the moment, the, the distillery, yep. gets quite warm. And, you know, sort of like 20 months into the aging process, like even, you know, like 16 to 18 months, you know, a lot of our barrels are getting quite flavorful yeah. in the 20 liters yeah. so now it's just about pulling them out before they're getting too old uh, before they're getting too woody too much flavor almost if you will um and then marrying them with a bunch of other whiskies and then finishing them in a bigger cask yeah so at this stage we're looking at uh things like brandy and cognac uh with a you know mixture of the port sherry bourbon finished in cognac uh and then possibly things like bourbon finished in rum casks mm. being the son of uh sort of the well, he, he's he's commonly referred to the Godfather as of Tasmanian whiskey, but things have progressed in the scene, and for you, the opportunity to become sort of the the inheritor of that has been sort of passed on. How do how how do you feel about that? Like, would would you've liked to have had the opportunity? Or I mean, you've just told us that you've got. Got a lot of plans in that. Uh, um, so I'm about to shit talk Dad and then give him the biggest compliment ever. So I, it's right. funny, everyone calls him the Godfather and has so much respect. I just see him as this little little guy at home who <laughs> <laughs> grumbles when you know I take up too much time in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I always forget that he is actually a respected person. But no, I love him. They uh, so I actually a long time ago when Mum and Dad were looking at selling the distillery. They did ask if I was possibly interested in, you know, maybe one day running it. At that stage, Christy wasn't interested. Um, she was doing her own thing, having kids. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, she was doing that. And I think she was more, you know, keen to do her own thing if it was ever going to be in whiskey, which she is doing to her credit. Yeah. I said, God, no way, straight away. I don't want to have anything to do with whiskey. So they did, I guess, ask for the blessing, but that's not the point. I They've always been really, really understanding with me wanting to go and do different things. Before theatre, I wanted to do filmmaking. And so... Mm-hmm. I, that was my passion. They never once second-guessed that and went, oh, you know, are you sure? We've got this business for you set up. You know, you could take it over if you want. Dad and mum always instilled in me this, like, belief that if I work hard enough, it's something I can get it. And so they, one, you know, never did the whole, you're going into the arts, come up with a plan B job. <laughs> they just, I think they just respected that I'd be savvy enough to always get a job at a cafe or a distillery um (laughs) um, but they so I've, i've always had that blessing from my parents to do whatever i see fit my brother's a carpenter as well or he worked in um scaffolding um so he's definitely not had anything to do with the whiskey industry uh but no i don't people ask me this all the time if i feel weird about lark distillery keeping the name or 
whatever. And I think, no, mum and dad were both at a stage in their life where they wanted to retire. Dad had had a, a minor stroke, so he wasn't the healthiest he'd ever been. Um, now mum and dad have a, you know, a holiday home up at Orford and they were able to renovate a house in Battery Point where they're living their best life. And so if they still had the business, they would have been, you know, working harder than ever. Dad probably would have died because he was too devoted to the cause. Um, and it wouldn't have been fun for anyone. So now mum and dad can, you know, go off to Bunnings on the weekend and dad can still be Mr. Whiskey and go and do events and yeah. mum can stay out of the limelight yeah. like I, she likes. So, I, yeah, I feel, I feel like Bill does sort of have, does kind of have the best of both worlds. Did he? Oh, yeah. He ba- he basically does sort of get wheeled out at yeah. every, <laughs> wheeled out every, being the word. every 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 like event and sort of get gets to sort of be Mister Whiskey yeah, and yeah. sort of do do all those things, but he doesn't sort of yeah have all the pressure. He doesn't have the responsibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I suppose you've said that um, you're you're interested in going away and pursuing sort of a career and career in the arts, sort of looking at um, acting or directing or something like that. Mm-hmm. But do you think in ten, twenty? 30, 40 years, 50 years time that we might see Jack Clark come back to Tasmania and set up his own distillery and yeah. You know what, I've always had this strong suspicion that I probably would. You know, I I guess it all depends on me becoming a Broadway superstar and earning millions of dollars. Um, You know what, it might be nice to come back one day and have enough money to go... I'm buying out Lark and turning it back into a family <laughs> ah. business. You know, like, y- you heard it here first. Um, but, you know, quite possibly. Um, Louis Duckett and I are actually, you know, Tim Duckett's son from Hartwood. We're starting yeah. our own little project called Gypsy Whiskey Company. You'll be hearing a bit more about us soon. Um, so we're going to be an independent bottling company. And we've put down a couple of barrels of Battery Point Distillery Whiskey. And we're just about to release a, an absinthe called Local Absinthe, which is going to be our... Uh, funding for our whiskey so um, yeah. we, we, I, I think I love the whiskey industry it shares a lot of similarities with the theater and the arts industry everyone They're tends drunk, to drunk yeah which <laughs> drunk all the time really unhealthy um, but we everyone sort of gets along and has the common goal of wanting to be the best at all times there is friendly competition but at the end of the day we can generally all come and have a, a whiskey and a beer at the end of the day and get along and have the best idea that oh you know this distillery down the road needs this piece of equipment just for the afternoon to help with bottling of course I'll lend it to them I don't want to fuck them around or they want some advice for doing their cuts I'll come down and give them a hand for their first spirit run just so I can get them off on the wrong way it's that understanding that one bad whiskey one bad show is a reflection on the whole industry not just the individual we want to build everyone up and create the best art and create the best product possible so that people globally and nationally will come and flock knowing that they're going to get quality whatever they get that's something that mum and dad have instilled with me and that's really what i see in both industries so i think i'll always be involved with both i'll always come back to whiskey or if i stay in whiskey i'll always come back to theater in some way like I, i i'm pretty happy with my choices but i think i realized early on that i wanted to be doing something with my life where people could enjoy a product that I create. Yeah. Whether that be a show or that be uh, a whiskey that people can sit down and enjoy around a table. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that gives me a big kick. Yeah, it's been a brilliant little chat, Jack. Thanks so much for uh, having us here in your 
tiny, uh, amazing, cute little distillery. I love it in here. This is, feels so cosy. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm sorry the tour couldn't be much longer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, all good. Behind us, we have what size was it? It's 300 liter still. 300 liter Napa built still, which is super. We're quite taken with. Super <laughs> cute. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, but, I think it's quite big in the room, and so then I go to another distillery and see their even their 900 liter still, and go, "Geez, Louise, that's <laughs> huge. What do you yeah. do with that?" Well, we've just been to the uh, White Label Distillery, and they're they're new. Still is ten times the size of in there, yeah, yeah, ten, over ten times the size of Ooh. that one. So yeah, it's a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's great to space. it does, and it's great to come into your, your little universe for yeah, as long as it's yours. It's my pleasure. It's brilliant. Um, thanks for having us. Well, we look we look forward to seeing the career of uh, Jack Lark, whether it whether it is a, a drunk drunken, drunken theatre lovey or. A, a uh, distiller who occasionally gets out on the boards. It'll be really interesting to see. Oh, look, there's, there's so much I want. I want to do shoes. I want to make perfume. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? See me in five years. Stay, yeah. stay thanks tuned, for, people. Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank, thank you. That's the problem with turning it up all the way. You also get all the background yeah. noise. But um, that's right. Paul's not here, so it's going to no. Be Paul is not here. Mm. You would know if Paul was here. Mm. You would hear him quite distinctly in the background. You'd hear loud, laughing Scottish. Did, can you laugh in an accent? I think he can actually. I think well, a, I think a Scotsman's laugh yeah. definitely has a brogue to it. So yeah, definitely. Whiskey. Would you rather? Nicholas. Yes. I have a scenario for you. A scenario. A scenario. I'm a bit scared. Yes. So that's mainly by the the nose of this whiskey. I've got some uh, Spirit Thief Belgrove Peated Malt in here, and it's terrifying my nose, but I'm. I'm too tempted. I have to dive in. Okay. And whilst I'm diving in, give me my question. All right. Nicholas, mm. here, here is your scenario. The President of the United States of America. The, the former President? Donald J. Trump. Ah, yes. Still currently at the time of recording. <laughs> Sad face. Is a man under siege. Yes. Well, that, that is true. Those crazy pinko lefties <laughs> think that they've got him beat. They think that they've got him down on the ropes, that they're going to kick him out of the White House. <laughs> but he try. has a plan. <laughs> he, it's got to be better than the previous plans, but okay. He, he, he has a plan, and he, he's got a way to strike back and take, take, take back uh, control. God help us all. They, they, they think that they have got rid of him. Which he, which is like completely untrue because he definitely won that election. Oh yeah, yeah. He it was a landslide. It was it was a landslide. <laughs> but what they have failed to remember is he has the codes and he's not afraid to use them. Nope. And so Ronald J. Dump has <laughs> retreated to his impenetrable bunker <laughs> and is is sitting there with the codes in hand and he he has he has got. Uh, some demands. He he's he's worked out a way to hit the world where it hurts. Hmm. Now his his demands are quite simple. Either everyone recognizes what a great and truly wonderful human being he is, and makes him president for life, <laughs> or he is going to get this nuke the world's whiskey stocks. What? Now Nicholas, you are the UN's. <laughs> top negotiator except in this case you don't have much to negotiate with because you've got a binary choice because we are playing <laughs> whiskey would you rather yes we are and you have been sent in to meet the president's demands so whiskey would you rather top diplomat nicholas <laughs> allow donald trump to become 
president for life. President forever. Or allow the world's whiskey stocks to be nuked. Oh, man. He's got very clever missiles that only target Bond stores. Yes, they're very, they're very small nukes that, yeah. just, just, that just like manage to land on yep. uh, all, all the uh, whiskey <laughs> stockpiles. Yeah, yeah. So, Ted, um, this may be me trying to find a loophole here. Do they also destroy the stills and every um, all their knowledge to make whiskey? Well, I mean, it's it's probably going to set things back a long time. Well, absolutely, yeah, all, the, all the stock that is is got. To, yeah, yeah there's going to be a um, a bit of a shortage. Oh God, Trump forever versus continuing in the status quo of whiskey, basically is the question here, and uh, there's a very intense internal debate going on right now. <laughs> You're 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 basically you're you're the, that meme of the uh that sort of spacey superhero guy like mopping his forehead and sort of um sort of sweating over whether to which button to press. I'm sweating out of every office right now. Gosh, um, because there's the debate is you know there's there's a small tiny little part of me that's like just like let America be America, and uh you know apart from the old Westland Westwood. One of those two. One of the two. Well, the one that I like. Apart from that old uh, American Oregon single West Ward. Yeah, I can just just you know can probably sacrifice the the product that comes out of that and just bypass America and just you know we'll form our own little um, rest of the world union and just in re- response mm, to Donald does Trump. have Im- impacts on the rest of the world though, and yeah, they especially, do. especially they with do. yes, what their leadership is. Oh yeah, doing. yeah. But I don't know if I'm that ready to, to, to give up whiskey for a period of 12 years. <laughs> Essentially, that is the choice because the price is... It might, just, it might be whoosh. even more than 12 years. Like it's yeah, I know. The, the, consider all, all the stocks, all the infrastructure that's destroyed. Yeah, that it's, I think it's a bit post-apocalyptic either way. One option is Trump is around as a sort of dictator. That is, that is basically the apocalypse politically. Um, whereas it's a whiskey apop- apocalypse, Whis- otherwise. Whisk-pocalypse. Whisk-pocalypse. Basically, we've got to find our whiskey cockroaches. Um, maybe we could distill some of our stuff ourselves and just make this pretend whiskey for a little while. I don't know. I don't know. I think a 12-year gap or more is going to absolutely change the way that we drink whiskey. I'm, uh, I'm not ready to let it go. Sorry. The world, we are at the mercy of President Trump because I'm sure he doesn't mind a good dram, and uh, we can um, we can still enjoy our whiskey to just really drown our sorrows in the fact that our world is being governed. All hail Overlord Trump! Mm. And um, yeah, I will not raise a glass to it, but I'll raise a glass to to when he finally passes away and then Don Jr. takes over. Mm. It's, it's going to be a regular reality TV show. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, if you, if you want to be brutally honest, obviously, I don't want Trump ruling the world for the rest, the rest of eternity. That is not something I would ever um, knowingly choose. But he's pretty old, mm. to be fair. Um, I reckon we could ride out the storm. Well, there you go. That was whiskey. Would you rather a a fiendish task that I sent my yeah. friend here? But... Oh, there was no right answer. No. <laughs> yes, I was kill I was, whiskey or kill democracy. I was I was quite pleased when I uh, came up with that one. Mm, yes, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Appreciate no it. No worries. I'm feeling quite relaxed. It might be the rain pitter pattering against the window, or um the the gentle sounds of my colleague's heavy breathing, or <laughs> well maybe it's just the the multiple drams I've got inside me, but. 
yeah, it's, it's time to say goodbye with a, a grin on my face. I do agree, Nicholas. It has been an excellent night of drinking whiskey. What else would we drink? Mm. Water? <laughs> Gin? <laughs> Rum? <laughs> Petrol? Well, maybe on the odd occasion, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, and those empty beer glasses next to us were never here. Yes. <laughs> Look, tonight has been a good night. We have inducted a new waffler. We have. That's always good. And you can become a waffler too if you jump on our Patreon. We'll send you a dram if you're at the, the right level. And um, Ted will eventually get round to making you a certificate. Yes, I will. I will do that, and you will receive it very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, time to bring this thing to a close. I'm going to leave our listeners with a tantalizing little nugget, a little uh, cliffhanger for the next episode. Yeah, I have in my glass next month's review whiskey. Yeah, because we may have done a double header with the reviews in our recording session tonight. And all I'm going to say is that they said. Speyside should never do Pete. Are they right or are they wrong? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I don't know what you're talking about. No, you have to listen next month, Ted, to find out. I do. (laughs) But until then, uh, I've been Nick. I've been Ted. And um, we've been waffling quite impressively. Impressively, I think we're talking ourselves up too much. Quite adequately. Adequately. Averagely. Mm, Yeah. Anyway, if you like what we're doing, send us a carrier pigeon. Mm. We'd love to hear from you. Indeed. Jump jump, jump on our... Um, if you're one of our Patreon members, jump on the Patreon site and send us a uh, message there. If you're just um, one of the general hoi send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. We're there. Check out our blog. Um, it gets fairly infrequently updated at the moment, but it's still there and it's got a great repository of articles on it. So. It certainly does. Well, cheers, Teddy Boy. Cheers, Nicholas. It's been an excellent evening hanging out with you and drinking some drams. Until the next time, keep on waffling. Good night. Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Nicholas, are we wankers? I think we might be wankers. <laughs>